0: Guys, we're going to be an exciting chapter of the Bible, Luke chapter 15 this week. Luke 15, if you want to join us, our ushers, in all our locations, in Olathe Campus, Overland Park, in the venue, auditorium, uh, online, join us in Luke chapter 15. You can raise your hand in our venues and get a hold of a Bible if you want this week. Luke 15, okay. I'd like us all to think back in our lives, to think about a moment that you feel like you didn't get what you deserve. Ever had that happen? Like you felt like you deserved something, but you didn't get what you deserved. So think about school. You ever think that you should have deserved something? You ever think you deserved a better grade at school, or that role at school, or you deserved a spot on that team, but for whatever reason, at school, you didn't get what you deserved? Think about your job, your career. Every moment you didn't get a job you thought you deserved, or a raise you thought you deserved, or a promotion. But for whatever reason, at your work, you did not get what you deserved. It happens with God, too. It just feels worse with God, because you're supposed to be fair, right? So, like, you're a person, maybe, who you try to serve God, you try your best, you work hard with God, but for whatever reason, you feel like you're not getting the money that you deserve from God, or you're getting more problems than you deserve from God, or you you thought you deserved a better life than you really have right now, and with God, you thought you deserved something more. So we're in a series right now uh, talking about when God doesn't make sense. Today's topic is when what you deserve doesn't make sense. That's our topic today, when what you deserve doesn't make sense. We're going to be in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son story is a great story. It's a story of second chances. It's a story of hope. But not everybody's heard the story of the prodigal son. So I thought I'd share with you a video created by Grace Kids Ministry by our Grace Kids Ministry, for our Grace Kids. They're watching it this weekend as they learn the story of the prodigal son. So without further ado, here's our Grace Kids telling the story of the prodigal son. Take a look.
1: This is the story of the prodigal son. One day... uh... A dad and two sons, one was young and one was big. The dad was retired, 65. The dad was blue. And the younger son said, Dad, can I have my share of money? Uh, Yes. Here you go. Thank you. I'm out. Peace. And he traveled uh, far far distance. Like a mile. One mile walking. A guy said, hey, want to party with us? It will cost you all your money, but you can stay here for a whole year. Okay. Then he spent the whole night partying. partying. He never slept until the last night. And then he said, I kick you out. You're not allowed here anymore. He spent all all this money. So he went to a farm and fed pigs. Mr. Farmer, I need money. I'm so poor right now. Yeah, okay, let's go feed the pigs. Okay. He started eating the pig's food. Oh, that pig food looks so good for now. But when he bit into it, he's like, I don't want this. Hey, was running around too much, and the whole thing fell into the mud. It smells so bad. I've got dirt. I've got dirt in my ears. My legs are covered in mud. I feel like I'm sitting in mud. said i gotta go home and here's what i'll tell my dad i'm gonna serve it now i'm not your son i don't deserve it welcome back i want to throw a big party for you and have cake and 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 have presents and and just have a good night okay his dad gave him a fedora get a ring and a bathrobe When the party started, the older brother was working in the fields. What is going on here, servants? Your brother is back, and your father wanted to throw a big party for him. Please, please, come join the party. This is so unfair. You didn't even give me a goat so I can party with my friends. You don't understand, son. I thought your brother was dead all alone, but he's alive now. He was lost, but now he's found. This is the story of the prodigal son. Stuff.
0: Wild girls is what he spent his money on. Wow. Yeah. But who would spend? Remember I then? I told you it wasn't wild animals. Oh, I did a fantastic job. Don't you love that kid at the end? He's like, spend money on wild girls? Who would spend their money on that? Which I thought was great commentary. Okay, so our Grace Kids ministry, they're going to be actually studying the story of the prodigal son. We're going to study all of chapter 15, what happened before and after the story. Here's the amazing thing we're going to cover. We're going to cover the fact that what Jesus was talking about was shocking and controversial. And... So many people who read the story of the prodigal son miss the main point. Like they don't even, the main point people don't even talk about. What is that point? More on that in just a moment. We'll talk about it. So Luke chapter 15. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll dive in. God, we do pray that you would speak to us, help us to find ourselves in the story of the prodigal son, the shocking story that we need, people who gather uh, in churches need this more than anyone and So I pray that you would help us to see what's happening what jesus saw to cause him to tell these three parables these three stories Help us to see what these stories mean And I pray you'd help us Find ourselves in this story. We pray this in jesus name Amen All right, so something happens that causes jesus to tell three stories the third of which is the prodigal son story When what you deserve doesn't make sense? So what happens to Jesus? He has the gall to be eating with sinners. Like seriously, he was eating with lowlifes. About to get criticized for it. Now, eating in Jesus' day was more of a social event. It was less about the flatbread and hummus and lentil soup. And more about the socializing, relationship building. And what was Jesus doing? He was building relationships with lowlifes. And there were two groups at this meal, both the sinners and the religious crowd were there. You see this, by the way, in verse, in verse 1. Look what it says in verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. Okay, so you've got to picture this moment. The worst of the worst. Luke writes, the, I want you to picture this table. I mean, the worst types of people are there. There's the drug dealers. They're sitting there at the table with Jesus. There's the gangbangers. Those ladies are prostitutes. There's thieves. There's the con artist. Oh, and there's employees of the IRS. The lowlifes are there. I mean, seriously. Now, let me just say we love employees of the IRS. We have members of our own church, part of the federal government. We love you. This is not you here because in Jesus' day, tax collectors were both thieves and traitors, they were thieves. Because individual tax collectors could raise your tax rate themselves, however high they wanted, and pocket the profit. They were thieves. And they were traitors. They colluded with the Roman government. So they were thieves and traitors, which is why you'd say tax collectors and sinners. These were the low lowlifes. Now, at that same table, the very religious were there, right there with the prostitutes, right there with the gangbangers and thieves and tax collectors, IRS members. So he says in verse 2, And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Like, how dare he? So you got to picture the rest of the table. The Pharisees are there. The very strict Jews are there, sitting right by the prostitutes. There's those scribes there. These were the experts in the Bible back in the day. They're sitting by the drug dealers. So it's a weird mixture at this meal, the sinners and religious crowd. But Jesus tells these parables, these three parables, because they're criticizing him. Jesus was a sinner magnet. People far from God were drawn near to him. And I just want to pause and share with you a question that's not the main point of this this, uh, story. But it's been ringing in my heart. I want to ask you the same question. Yeah, where are the sinners Drawn like a magnet to me. Ask yourself, where are the people far from God around you that want to be near you? Because they see Christ in you. They hear you talking differently. They feel safe enough to talk about faith. Not be criticized, but they are like a magnet. Christ in you. Where are the sinners drawn to you? And if not, like why not? I've been thinking about that myself. All right, so, so Jesus is criticized, by the way. Luke 15, he's criticized. When what you deserve doesn't make sense, in response to this criticism, he tells three different parables. Let's go through them. Here's the first parable. It's about 100 sheep where one is lost. He tells a story of a man who owns 100 sheep. At the start of the day, is 100. At the end of the day, as he counts every one of them, 98, 99, there's no 100. Where's the one? He realizes one sheep is lost. He's lost 1% of his flock. And he didn't say, I feel like it's unspiritual to focus on the numbers. He didn't say, that's okay, I've got 99 more. He didn't say, oh, well, it's just a sheep, what's the big deal? He went after it. We see this, by the way, in verse 4. Verse 4 is the story. He says this, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness? And go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Like that's absolutely what you would do if you lost that sheep. You'd look for it however long it takes. You ever lost a pet before? Your pet is gone. Like you actually, don't you feel sick about that? What's wrong? I hope the pet's okay. Not if it's a cat, of course. But if it's a legitimate pet, you would actually look for it. You would feel bad about that. You would try to find that thing. Truth is, if you ever lost a pet, whatever it is, you ever lost a sheep, you would go after it and look for it. This is how Jesus feels about you when you're far from Him. How close are you to God right now? How close are you? When you're wandering away from God, He's dying on the inside like a lost, a lost, uh, beloved being that He created and loves. In fact, in the parable, the man finds the lost sheep, finds Him, rejoices, and throws a party. ever throw a party for your pet that's back? He throws a party in his house over the one sheep that's found. He says this, verse 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, who turns back to God, than over 99 just persons who need no repentance Don't need it. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this parable is not about one lost sheep. It's about one lost person. It's about how God feels when you're far from God. His pursuit of you, you turning back to him, and the parties in heaven over one person who gives their life to Jesus. Like That's what this story is really about. One more thing. You notice what he says about the 99? Who are the 99? Those are the religious crowd. They need no turning back to God. They need no repentance. They're the religious. We're fine. Repentance for us doesn't make sense. We're fine. When what you deserve doesn't make sense. So he tells three parables. The first one was about 100 sheep or one was lost. The second is about 10 coins where one, one, one of those coins is lost. He tells the story of a woman this time who has 10 silver coins. And she counts them, seven, eight, nine. finds out one of those coins is lost. She's lost 10% of her net worth. And she didn't say, well, I think it's unspiritual to focus on the numbers. She didn't say, that's okay, I've got nine more coins. She didn't say, oh, well, it's just a piece of metal. What is the big deal? She went after it. It's how God feels about you when you're far from him. You are valuable. You are worthy to search for. So we see this, by the way, in verse 8. Or what woman? Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. You ever lost something small and valuable? You're just sick. I've had twice in a hotel room with my wife and kids. A hotel room. Take my wedding ring off, put it on the nightstand. Next day, can't find it. Checkout time's coming. I am sick. We're turning this hotel room over. How gross is that? We're turning this hotel room over. I am, you ever lost something that's valuable and small and you, you're sick about it? Ever lost your wallet? Oh, it is sick. You ever lost the remote control to your TV? <laughs> it's like a close friend has died, let's be honest. And how is, it, how is it in the pantry? Who put it here? Couldn't be dad that did that. Now, I want you to imagine, imagine you just cashed out. What is 10% of your net worth? 10% of all your money you put in cash. You put an envelope in your house. What if you lost 10% of your money, everything you own, in your house? Would you blow that off? Ah, just money. I bet you'd look for it. I bet you'd be sick about that cash. That's how God feels when you are far from God. He is sick for you. He's just sick for you. It says this in verse uh, 9. The woman finds the lost coin. She rejoices. She calls her friends and neighbor. You ever throwing a party about that wedding ring you found again? Throwing a party over 10% of your money? And how does Jesus end the parable? Verse 10. Verse 10 Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. There's a party in heaven over one sinner who repents. What's Jesus saying? This parable is not about a coin. It's about a person. It's about how God feels when you are far from him. How close are you to God right now? When you're drifting from God, he hurts for you like a lost sheep, like a lost coin. He searches for you when what you deserve doesn't make sense. So far this year, we've had 40 people that given, not not hands raised for salvation, but 40 people gave us their names, wrote their names down for salvation. Yes, I have given my life to Jesus, 40 parties in heaven. 40 people so glad that what they deserve, which is hell, they're not going to get. What they deserve, which is judgment, they're not going to get. And it doesn't make sense. Okay, Jesus is criticized with these people at the meal, the sinners and religious crowd. The first parable was about 100 sheep or one is lost. Second parable, about 10 coins, one is lost. Third parable, about two sons, 100 sheep, uh, 10 coins, two sons. And the first of those sons is the younger one who's known as the prodigal son. We saw our Grace Kids video earlier. They did a fantastic job with that. But the actual prodigal son's story is sickening. It's sickening. You know it's sickening because if you ever had somebody you care about get involved with addiction and get out of contact with you or a self-destructive lifestyle, how do you feel when you don't know where they are, when you cannot contact and they're not contacting you, And when every time you get a phone call, you're fearful, this is the call you're going to find out they're dead. That is the story of the prodigal son. Are you a younger son with God? He says this in verse 11, by the way, younger sons make no illusion about following God. Verse 11 says that he said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. Give me. Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I deserve it. It's what I deserve. So he divided to them his livelihood. So back in Jesus' day, uh, inheritance were divided this way. Older son got two shares. All the younger sons got one share each. With two sons, One guy got two-thirds of the family fortune. The other guy got one-third of the family fortune. This young man just came up to his dad and said, Dad, I don't want to wait till you're dead to start spending my money. It's what I deserve. Cash out. Give me my one-third of my fortune. I don't want to wait till you're dead to spend my money, and I want to get as far away from you as possible when I do it. I don't want to be around you. Now, you know the dad must have been sick about that. You know the dad probably tried to talk his son out of it. But guys, you cannot force an adult to do what's right. You've got to let him go. You can't force someone to do what's right if they're an adult. So he gave his younger son a third of the family fortune and watched him with a sick feeling walk away. And the younger son goes far away from dad, as far as he can from dad, starts partying with prostitutes. That's where he spent his money. And he spent all of his money on that. And he finds himself, at the end of this, all alone, completely broke and hungry. When the younger son was a sinner. And the sinner sitting with Jesus could totally relate to this story. They're the younger sons. They're sitting right there with him. And although the younger son has spent everything, he's totally broke, he's not broken. There's a difference between being broke and being Broken. Because until you're broken, you try to fix your life yourself. I'm going to get a job. I don't need my dad. I don't need help. And he tries to get a job and fix his life himself. Verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Okay, he tried to fix his life himself before going back to his dad who would have helped him. By the way. Pig farming is the smelliest job in the world. It's a stinky job. And for a Jewish man, it's a humiliating, religiously defiling job too. And so he's out there, and he's actually feeding the chocolate substitute. You know carob, chocolate substitute? He's feeding carob pods to the pigs to sweeten their meat, tossing the carob pods to the, the pigs to sweeten the meat. And he's like, I-, I wish I could eat one of these carob pods too, but my... My dad has servants who eat better than me. And he's finally broken. How do you know somebody's broken? They're willing to confess their sin to God and to people. That's what you see here, by the way. Verse 18, dude's finally broken. says this, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, that's God, and before you, that's people. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I deserve nothing, and that makes sense. Make me like one of your hired servants. This dude was finally broken. And so his son takes a long journey home. Dad's watching for him. Dad sees him and runs to him. His son starts to speak. Dad interrupts him. No, no, no. Bring other clothes to him, other shoes. Dude stunk to high heaven. He stunk like pigs. So he clothes him, gives him shoes, gives him a ring to show his love to the world. And guess what? He has found his lost son. He rejoices. And he throws a community party in his house to celebrate the son is back. Kills the fatted calf. People didn't meet, eat meat very often in biblical times. He kills the best calf to fill all of, feed all of the community. Here's what the father says why he did that. Verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. If you have had somebody involved in addiction and they make their way out of it, you know that feeling. It's like they were dead to you. There was no contact. It's like they've resurrected. They're alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They had a celebration. And so if you're taking notes, here's the purpose, point that Jesus is trying to make about the younger son. Some people are the younger son with God. You write that down. Some people, they are the younger son with God. In fact, you might be a younger son. Are you a younger son? Well, God created you, loves you, wants a relationship, but you don't want a relationship with God. In fact, here's what you want. I want to be left alone as far from God as possible. Just give me what I deserve. I want my stuff and I will live my life. Some younger sons become broke. Some younger sons make tons of money. Either way, they have nothing. And so are you a younger son? When a younger son turns back to God, confesses his sin, God runs to him. There's no anger in this father. There's mercy and love and acceptance. Are you living your life far from God as a younger son? Now... Remember earlier we said that Jesus' point was incredibly controversial. And most people who read this story miss the main point. Because the main point is about the older son. It's about the religious crowd sitting there. The first parable, a hundred sheep or one is lost. Second parable, ten coins, one is lost. Third parable, two sons, both are lost. Older son is just as lost. He just looks better doing it. Churches are filled, not with younger sons, Older sons, you should, they should be filled with younger sons. I mean, you want the skirt-chasing, cocaine-snorting, wheeling-dealing, hell-bound sinners. You want the younger sons. Guess what churches are filled with? Family values, tax-paying, respectable, church-going, hellbound sinners. And you can't tell. That's the older son. And so you see this, by the way. Are you an older son? The older son is the good kid. The older son works hard. The older son has a job, is respectable. The older son makes money, pays his bills, and is just as lost as the younger son. When the younger son's out partying with prostitutes, the older son's staying home, working the field, he knows he's going to inherit 100% of his dad's net worth now, and he's working. It's a transaction with God. I work, so God gives me. That's his relationship with God. Are you an older son with God? You see this in verse 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Picture, this is you, you're a long day of working in the field like you've been doing for years while that Yehu was out there partying or doing who knows what. You get back, hear music and dancing. What's going on? There's a party while I'm in the field? And they're spending my money, my inheritance on that party. What's this party about, he asked. Oh, it gets worse. Your brother, the loser, is back. We learn he spent all his money on prostitutes. He's got nothing. And your dad was so happy to see him. He threw a party with your money. Did this guy rejoice about it? No. No. He got evidence. I mean, he shows how you know you're an older son. This guy's thinking, by the way, older sons think this. This guy deserves nothing. I worked hard for my stuff. He should work hard for his stuff. That makes sense. How do you know if you're an older son? Well, look at the text. See if you find yourself here. Verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Are you an older son? Older sons get angry when things aren't fair. Do you have an anger issue? When things aren't fair to you, do you quickly flash anger? You might be an older son. Are you an older son? He's not going to go to the party. I'm not going to rejoice about this son of yours who's come back. He's embarrassing the father. He's disobeying the father. He's arguing with the father. Are you an older son? When God doesn't do what you want, do you argue with him? Do you stall him? Do you embarrass him? you make him come out and beg with you to do what's right? You might be an older son. What's the older son say? Verse 29. So he answered and said to the father, listen to his words. Lo, these many years, many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Really? Captain Overstatement. Did you really never in many years ever once disobey your dad once? That's either self-deception or an out-and-out lie. But that's how older sons view themselves. Because at least I'm not sleeping with prostitutes. My sin? Not as bad. Are you an older son with God? He goes on, and you never gave me so much as a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Are you an older son with God? Older sons add up how long they've done what's right. I've been serving you for years. For years I've been doing the right thing. Older sons count time, how long they've done what's right. Older sons don't feel they're sinners. Not really. Older sons say, yeah, I've sinned. But those guys have sinned. My, my sins, I, mean my sins a, I made a mistake. Older sons claim they make mistakes. My bad. Older sons don't say, I am a rotten sinner. Are you an older son? Older sons always feel they deserve more from God. You never gave me a young goat. Older sons feel the injustice. Did you notice the older sons dream, by the way? It's no different than the younger son. Younger son dream... I don't want to be near God. I'm not going to pretend to go to church or anything. I'm going to go out here far from God. Give me my stuff I deserve and I'm going to party. What's the older son dream? Same thing. Give me my goat. I want a party where the dad's not invited and at least there's not prostitutes there. It just looks better. It's the same god-free dream. And this older brother won't even acknowledge won't even acknowledge their relationship. He doesn't say my brother. Verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours, he's your son, not my brother. As soon as this son son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, he's digging into his dad. You killed the fatted calf for him. Are you an older son with God? Older sons get jealous when others are blessed. Older sons don't celebrate somebody else getting a promotion, a job, a raise, a blessing, a new house, new car. Older sons feel jealous they don't have that. Are you an older son? Older sons don't rejoice when people are saved. They don't rejoice when that people are saved. He won't even go to the party, by the way. Let's compare two feelings. Two feelings we, our community just had. Uh, so how did it feel this week when you heard... The Kansas City Chiefs finally drafted a quarterback in the first round. I mean, I was stoked. I mean, I was like, I couldn't believe it. It was in a dream. Seriously, I was happy. I was, ele- they traded up in the first round for a quarterback. I felt awesome. How did you feel? Did you feel awesome? Too? It was awesome feeling. Compare that feeling because you heard other news. 40 people gave their lives to Jesus this year. Which felt better? See, older sons rejoice in stuff and things and feelings here. Are you an older son rejoicing more? And you know what God's people rejoice in? Salvations. People coming to Jesus. Could you be an older son? Now, the father is not critical of the older son. Any more than the younger son. He ran to the younger son. He's running to the older son. Because he's just as lost. He's a church going religious lost person. Nobody knows he's lost. It says in verse 30. Or verse, he says uh, verse 31. But he said to him son. You're always with me. L- like God does recognize. With those lost church going servants. That they're trying hard. I know you're trying. And all that I have is yours. God's fair. He knows yes. This is what you deserve. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. He was as good as dead. He's like you. He's just as dead as you. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. Remember earlier we said, that, we said this, that some people are the younger son with God. How do you know you're a younger son with God? The younger son makes no illusions about following God. They're not following God. They don't care if you know that. I don't follow God. Are you a younger son? By the way, we love when younger sons go to church, explore faith. That is awesome. I feel right, no criticism. We want to explore faith. We love when younger sons here. Here's our fear. Everyone else is the older son with God. You can put that down in your notes. Everybody else, when you start to follow God and you're not saved, you're the older son. See, older sons work hard. To live their lives for God. What they deserve doesn't make sense to them. Are you an older son? Older sons look good. They are respectable. They are active in church. But they are no different than the younger son. It's not about the relation with the father. It's about the respect that comes with us. The rewards that come with it. They work hard. They sacrifice. They look down on others. And they're lost. Could you be an older son with God? Now here's the scenarios for us we got the younger sons listening online, part of our communities. And we are so excited you're here, and God has brought you here because you're getting to the point where you're ready to say, I have sinned against God and people. I am not worthy to be a son of God. And God will run to you with love if you call on him for salvation. We have people who are uh, the scariest scenario. Nobody knows you're lost because you know the language You know, the culture of church, the language of church, you got a Bible, you read your Bible, you serve, you check the box, you do all these things, you're not saved. You've never really said, I'm a disgusting sinner, just as bad as the the younger brother. I am no better. And no one knows. And God's looking for you. He's coming out of the party, because you're not in the party, to beg you to come in and join the family. He's just as loving. He's run to you. Because you're a religious person who's never received Christ. And it's the scariest scenario. Or you have received Christ. You're a, I'm a former younger son. I get it. This is the former younger son club. Former older son club are churches. But at some point you get younger sonship back. You start follow it, not following God. Living in dark, dirty sins. Or you start following God. Looking down on others. Getting angry with others. Injustice. I want what I deserve. Are you a son of God? A daughter of God? Starting to live like the older son again. Not rejoicing in salvations. Not rejoicing. What do you do with that? You build your relationship with the Father. Because the Father always comes running to you, he always goes outside the party, and he begs you, come on into the family. Come into the party again. It's like he lost a sheep or a coin or a son. God loves you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now for the younger sons among us. Thank you so much for making it safe enough for them to come. We rejoice that they're exploring faith. I pray that they would do what the younger son did run to you, confess their sins to you, call on Jesus to save them, say they're not worthy to be a child of God, and that you would forgive them of sin, adopt them in your family, make them a child. I pray for the older sons, the scariest situation among us. I pray for those who are not Christians. But they look like one they got all the language the lingo they serve in ministry. They have a grace group. They're not saved They don't have christ inside them And I pray that as you beg them to come into the party That they would admit. Oh my sin is just as bad. It's it's disgusting. It's horrible I am just as bad as the younger sons. I am not worthy to be a son May you save those church-going hell-bound sinners We pray also for those who are children and daughters and sons of god that have started to live like either younger sons far from you or live like older sons trying to be close to you but serving to get stuff always angry they're not getting what they deserve how could my my life be like this oh God forgive them and call them into deeper relationship with the Father with you help us right now Jesus in your name amen